When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Hey there, welcome back to the Winning Plays Podcast with Brian Robb. I'm Rich Levine. And Michael Pina is off today, but like the Celtics, we are turning to the next man up. So Brendan Jackson, thank you very much for filling in. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, we have a lot, of, lot to discuss on today's show. Return of Robert Williams, uh, more Celtics injuries, an interesting would you rather. But first, as always, please subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. Follow us on Twitter. That's at WinningPlaysPod. Shout out to CLNS Media. Shout out to BetOnline.ag. And uh, first, guys, the big news since we last recorded last Saturday in that overtime loss to the Houston Rockets, Brian Robb made his debut in the Celtics radio booth alongside uh, Sean Grandy. Be Rob, congratulations, first of all. Uh, not only the opportunity, but I hear, but I hear, I didn't get a chance to listen. I was watching on TV, but I hear you did a pretty, pretty awesome job. Uh, according to friends and family, yes. And that's those Not just friends and family. <laughs> I, I, I heard that you heard from a few members of the Celtics organization that they thought you did pretty well. You don't have to name names, but uh, in-house, in, in they were pretty impressed. Uh, I think that I couldn't have asked for a better game. Yeah, right. Honest, right? I mean, <laughs> or worse. Of, I mean, that really put you to the test right, right off the bat. The key was the, the goal was just not talking over a game tying or winning shot by Grandy and I achieved that goal um, at the end making sure that I didn't ruin a potential highlight and so I came out unscathed I feel like because of that but it was a it was a huge thrill uh, again it was a it made me just in awe of, in terms of what you know Sean Grandy does every night to be honest since he's calling the game effortlessly and tweeting out obscure stats um, that he somehow calculates is it I true can... that you were gunning for Cornbread Maxwell's job uh, in my dreams Um, (laughs) but luckily max was back on the broadcast this week and it's a pretty interesting collection of games in the last uh three games i'd say to to go through here i was gonna say that was that was a a, like an understandable overtime loss to houston especially it's pretty cool just the way they got the overtime to begin with but uh then the next overtime loss (laughs) to brooklyn uh bjax you got it you you got a chance to watch that one unfortunately i imagine yeah, the whole time I was thinking, thank God B had Houston and not <laughs> Brooklyn. Um, yeah, it was awful. It was awful. They gave up a 21-point lead, uh, second-half lead, I believe. It was just probably the worst game of the season. It felt like there was probably been like the ninth or tenth of those if it was last year. Um, but yeah, Is it was that just worse weird. than any of them last year? Even though it's really I think one, so. of the, one of the only ones. <laughs> it is. It is. In terms of like the fourth quarter – Collapse. Like I mean, they were up by five with uh, ten seconds left in the game, and they right? lost. So that, as far as you know, the short time span, it doesn't get much worse than that. But they did. 
uh, I guess the one silver lining from that game and then moving ahead to Wednesday's game against the Cavs was the official return of Robert Williams to the floor. Um, he, I believe I was a team high plus 15 last night or pretty close plus 16 and only played 14 minutes against the Cavs, but looks pretty sharp in that one, Rich. Uh, but even against Brooklyn on Tuesday, that was his first minutes um, overall. He got some crunch time minutes in the fourth quarter and provided some easy offense there. So after a three month layoff, what did you, what did you kind of see from him in that one? I was going to say even more than that, even more than anything else that happened in the, in the last two games since he's been back when they went to hack a Robert Williams mm. and that was it, maybe the third quarter or the fourth quarter. I think fourth quarter. Yep. The fourth quarter, this guy, like he said, hasn't played in three months. Hack, he probably, I'm sure he wasn't expecting that strategy when he gets into the game, but regardless steps up and just nails both foul shots. Yeah, I mean, after, I thought just, just from a mental standpoint, that was I was really impressed by that. And after bricking one before so badly, I was like, <laughs> I saw Kenny Atkinson on the TV broadcast, and I'm like, oh, he's pulling a Stevens. This is a really good idea. Uh, Williams is cold. He's going to brick these, and then just knocked him down. It was really cool. And so he, I mean, the fact that they even went to him in that situation in the first place kind of tells you where Brad Stevens is at with him right now, um, throwing his feet to the fire I going back and watching that game there were a lot of issues in that game to be honest I mean it might have been the worst quarter of Marcus Smart's career I mean not maybe early season for sure in terms of his defensive choices but and Williams was definitely a bit rusty on that end of the floor too was late with help a couple times Um, obviously could have improved there but I think the really encouraging part was Wednesday night against the Cavs six points five rebounds three blocks and yeah it was a team high plus 14 in that one so that is something where we're seeing more and more of brad stevens turning away from ennis cancer rich i feel like and williams looks ready to kind of take those minutes anytime uh defensive presence is required sure and i guess like it's like a, a, on, on the other hand like you look and obviously he had 10 points in that in that brooklyn game but he was also minus nine Right. And it came during a stretch where, like we said, the Celtics blew their biggest lead and had one of their worst losses in a long time. So it's like, I, you know, it's, it's, I don't want to get too carried away. But again, if, if he's having to play the role that he did against Brooklyn, you know, we're going to have to lower our expectations a ton for this team. You know, and, and it was a matter of guys being out and injuries and, and some foul trouble as well, I think. But um, if, if he's a guy, and like we said when we were speculating about when he was first going to come back, if he's a guy that... that that Brad Stevens, not even every night, can maybe turn to every once in a while, or maybe some of the doldrums of March when we got these games coming up against the Wizards and the Pistons and the Bulls. I'm not sure if the Pistons, but I know the Bulls and the Wizards are in there. Like, if he can step in for those games, eat up some minutes, and yeah, like show that he's, that he's continuing to improve, and then maybe when the playoffs come, he can he can he can maybe steal a game for you in a big situation. But I don't think I'm getting too carried away because I don't even know if the opportunity is necessarily going to be there yet. I mean, it'll be interesting, Brennan, in terms of where you look at how he fits into a playoff rotation. And I guess this can kind of turn into a bigger conversation about the the second unit right now of like who who's actually a, a you know, we know Marcus Smart obviously is going to be a trusted uh, commodity there. But and I'd say Brad Wanamaker will play every game in the postseason uh, based off of how his usage has gone all year and his consistency. But beyond that, like it's. It's, is it going to be simply mixing or matching here? Like, who does who do you kind of see Brad Stevens trusting in this hierarchy right now? 
I sort of think it can't be mixing and matching. I think we're going to see a ton of that over the, like as Rich said, the doldrums of the end of the season. Uh, I think we're going to see a ton of Carson Edwards, ton of Semi, a ton of just everyone. Give me uh, Romeo. Yeah, Romeo, Javante Green. I was bummed Romeo got sick at the end of that game like like Jason Tatum did uh, the other day, so he didn't get to finish out. Because um, I think, you're, to your point, this is like a good chance for him to, to shine as well. Uh, but when the playoffs come around, I think they're going to – he's going to really shorten his bench. I think it's going to be basically Wanamaker, Smart, Grant Williams, and then break in case of emergency. So emergency, whether that be a, a small injury or foul trouble, you'll see guys like Semi. You'll see guys like uh, Robert Williams maybe for like a minute or two if Tice needs to get like bandaged, bandaged up or something. But I don't see how Tice – can come out of the game i really don't <laughs> i know it sounds crazy it but, is you're right i mean who, you're right like most the, nights yeah you're right like in terms of quality the problem is is gonna be foul trouble for him like that's they'd probably love to play him 35 minutes a night if they could but he generally is not going to make it that far without getting into foul trouble against the elite opponent but um it is i mean for the center do you think Cantor is going to be playable in the playoffs rich like again a first round series against i mean even brooklyn like you saw he didn't even get he wasn't even thrown into overtime there and i know it's like when you have, you have tice going that makes sense but that I, I guess it just shows you like any kind of pick and roll dangerous situation in terms of having to defend it it's he's pretty far down in the pecking order right now yeah, and I've been a guy all, all season that's kind of been expecting that when it matters, just because of the matchups against Milwaukee and against Toronto and against uh, Philly, you know, potentially that that Cantor was a guy that you're going to have to use. But I don't know. I, I I personally don't think he's healthy. I don't know how he possibly can be because he's not. He he doesn't have not that he's ever a guy that had much lift, but he doesn't or explosiveness. But he but it's even less than than usual. I mean, he's really having a hard time on offense. And you know, I say too, like his inability to use his left hand. It seems like in the post, it's just seems like every time he gets the ball, it's just pound, pound, pound to the right, trying to force either like a shoulder, shoulder his way to the hoop or get a little baby right-handed hook, and it's just not happening. He's not moving the way he needs to. And uh, I, I, it's hard to say the Celtics are really paying for it because they're not using him that much, but they're certainly losing what they, what they expected to have when, when, when they brought him in. Yeah, I mean, he had such a great run there, I think in you know December and January before he got came down that hip injury. So it makes me wonder if, you know, with Williams back now, are they going to just shut him down for a couple weeks or is it, are they just going to keep his playing time down? Hope he heals naturally. And then, you know, just in the right, like they'll probably throw him out here or there in the playoffs. Jax, I feel like just to see if he is providing the offensive rebounding spark a third night or does have a, you know, a nice post game going. But beyond that, it's, it seems like, like a rookie like Ray Williams is going to just get the nod for defensive purposes in that well, spot. Yeah, I mean, I mean, who do you need? What team in the East do you need uh, Anus Cantor for outside of Philly? And we can argue about whether or not he's that effective against Joel Embiid anyway. But it's like, I don't see, I mean, he, he can't guard Bam Adebayo. He can't guard Miles Turner. Maybe Sabonis, but Sabonis has range. It's just, I like the guy and I and I think he is who he is. Uh, I think he, you know, does over the course of the season sort of provide that offensive post-up game and obviously rebounds the hell out of the ball, some toughness, that kind of stuff. But I don't see how, like, 
I don't see what he brings over a guy like Grant Williams or Robert Williams in the playoffs when uh, teams are just going to be crisp and, you know, you need to rotate and you need to be able to switch and he can't do those things. It's – I wonder just how he's going to handle it, especially after he played so much for Portland last postseason just out of pure necessity with that team once Nurkic went down. But you're right. There is no – I mean – a first round series against Brooklyn or Orlando, yeah, like you can roam out there against DeAndre Jordan in spots. Um, yeah, that's or, true. But like, it's going to be you're right. Like Indiana, all those bigs can kind of abuse him. It, it feels like, and unless he's fully healthy and plays like he did against Embiid at that guard when they kind of went toe to toe a couple months ago, Rich, it's like it's it's tough to find spots where you know that. Um, he's going to help you enough on the offensive end to outweigh his defensive issues. Yeah, and I suspect he will get one more chance, at least. There will be a time over the next, I don't know, was it six weeks now, that um, whether it's for one game, whether it's for one quarter, whether it's for a week, where because of other things that happen, Brad Stevens is probably going to need to to turn to him, and it would be nice to see him take advantage of that because unless we see a different guy than we've seen these, you know, certainly since the All-Star break, probably longer than that, um, uh, like I said, I, I just don't see, I don't see the value. I don't see what well, it just does. It doesn't seem worth it to me. Does Rich? Do you feel like he's going to have a rock solid? Brad Stevens going to have a rock solid rotation in the playoffs of, like Brendan said, just like you know, three guys and that's it. Or do you think he'll do some mixing and matching depending on you know how you know if he's mixing things up over the course of the series. Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe this gets into a little bit what we're going to talk about uh, shortly, but just, you know, are we, we're assuming that everyone's playing? Yeah, let's assume everyone's playing for that. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I think there have been a couple games this year where we've seen him, like, get down to, like, an eight-man rotation. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. And, you know, crazy things happen. Maybe, I mean, remember, what was it, uh, maybe two or three years ago now where they need a little, uh, the team need a little burst and he started Gerald Green all of a sudden against the Bulls in that in that first round series so you never know what he's going to be going to be forced to do but if he had his way I would imagine it's, it's pretty tight you know I think I think they have a pretty good feel of of, of what who's ready you know who, who can help in, in, in what specific ways and, and like B-Jack said too I think that th- there are some guys that might have a chance to prove themselves a little bit more over this course of this next month where if where if uh, Brad is in a pinch he, he might be able to turn to I mean it's crazy to think that Carson Edwards after you know the last couple months might <laughs> have a chance to affect the playoff game, but you, you, you just never know. But I think for now, I, I don't think he's going to get too creative with it. I think that was his last chance on Tuesday night, to yeah. be honest. <laughs> like, I mean, he'll play again, but that he had the nice first half. He hit a couple threes, but then, you know, that that over, and I know the overtime period, it was a very dire situation, but it was a bunch, it was just, there was no flow. And that was a night, honestly, like, Tremont Water should have been in uniform to like no, that's, run, that's for sure. to run the offense for a situation like that because that was a team without a rudder once Smart fouled out of that game. Yeah, um, and and Edwards hasn't grown at all on D. Like that's his big problem. Yeah. He's still getting abused, and he's a big, strong kid. Like I have faith, and he's quick. Like I have faith that he'll figure it out, especially with more reps. But that that's the problem now. I mean, yeah, he misses shots, but he's gonna make those eventually. He's just getting hunted. Uh, on the defensive end, and he, he's not switching well. He's just he's just not there yet on the defensive end. You can't trust him. 
Uh, let me let me get this in real quick, guys, because uh, sports is in the spotlight once again. Uh, NBA season is heating up. College basketball has the drive on to March Madness. You can find all the odds and information with our exclusive sportsbook partner, Bet Online. For more than 20 years now, Bet Online has been providing customers with the first two market odds, giving you the ability to bet anytime, anywhere. So head over to BetOnline.ag. Use our promo code. CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Have a little fun with some betting action today. That is Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. And uh, guys, let's transition from the bench and you know potential end of the end of the uh, end of the bench playoff rotations. Let's talk about the guys that are really going to make a difference. Uh, first, be up. What's the latest on uh, Gordon Hayward's latest injury? Uh, it's a knee this time. Yes, yeah, so it's. He got his knee rolled up on in the Brooklyn game by Daniel Tice and has been was just rolled out for Friday's game against the Jazz uh, by the Celtics. But that sounds like he was, Brad Stevens said in an interview on the radio today that he was on the floor doing some work today. So I assume that he'll be back early next week. And then Jalen Brown is the only other guy in the injury report for Friday. He's already been declared out with the hamstring strain, uh, going to be reevaluated next week. So I imagine... We're not going to see uh, or have a chance of seeing a full healthy roster uh, until, you know, at least a week and a half. And in all honesty, probably not till the 2020-2021 season at this rate. <laughs> Do we, you know, we were talking about the roster in full that we might not see them completely healthy. But are we going to see the best of Gordon Hayward again this year? It's... This- it's a good question. We, we go back. We go back and forth. So I mean, I know we've had so many conversations about Gordon Hayward's back. Gordon Hayward's still struggling, and we've, we, I mean, probably over the last two years, at least double-digit conversations. But uh, and and, I, and I'm just as guilty as anyone, sort of jumping to that conclusion every every now and then. Now and then, but I mean, even before this injury, man, he he's just he's just been a non-factor. And I, I don't know if part of that is is Tatum's emergence and, and how he and how Gordon might feel like he fits into that. Uh, but it's been tough to watch. Yeah, I mean, I think a sneaky reason for this, or at least you hope this might be a sneaky reason for it, uh, Brad Stevens was leaning very heavily on him for minutes in February with Kemba out and other injuries popping up to other parts of the lineup. I think he averaged like close to 37 for the month, which is just a lot when you're playing a stretch for guarding bigger guys. And he did have some big games in that stretch, but I think we saw in that West Coast trip after the Minnesota outburst, he kind of started to wear down and got you know passive and stopped rebounding as well. So I think you know this knee injury here, you know, it, I, I not that I doubt that he got hurt on that game, but I think this could be just an excuse of like, okay, we need to kind of reset him a little bit and maybe get him to recharge batteries. Like, like I mean, I don't know which, if you agree with Rich Jacks, but it is he. It's noticeably not, he's not nearly as aggressive as he was, you know, for much of the year right now. Well, yeah. Can you, when you're in the locker room and stuff, can you read his mood at all? Cause I mean, I'm just, you know, projecting here. Um, when I watch him on the court, he seems like a little out of it. He seems tired. He seems like he's fighting just little knickknack injuries that are just going to, you know, kind of compound. Um, do you get that sense when you see him off the court or do you think I'm just like making stuff up that's not there? Um, I mean, he's definitely, sometimes he tries to, I mean, he always tries to get out of locker room early after games, um, which makes sense. Um, but he, you know, he has slipped out once or twice, uh, when he would normally talk. Um, not that you take too much out of that in any particular instance, but yeah, I mean, it's, 
I, I, it's tough to tell. He doesn't seem overly worn down from like what we, you know, it's in the locker room, but just from what I see on the court, it's, it's just not, I agree with Rich in terms of it's not where, you know, he needs to be, but it is, he, he wasn't playing this nearly this kind of grind last season. I know he was, you know, there was never, he was never playing 30 minutes a game, you know, for extended stretches last year. And sometimes he wasn't even closing games. It felt like. Yeah, but I also see some body language stuff. Like when he he missed a couple of wide open shots in the Houston game and the Nets game, or you know, just these games that he normally would make, and a couple of them the past couple of weeks, like fourth quarter, big time shots that he would make. You know, and he's missed and they need him to make. Yeah, exactly, and they absolutely need him to make, and he has missed them. And just afterward, he looks like he's so upset with himself and he probably is i'm just wondering if that's any more than just normal oh shit i should have made that shot i don't know maybe it's after so many misses it starts to starts to build up um b-rob i'm just i'm just looking back so you said you're talking about his february minutes 36 minutes in february this year which is more than he averaged in any single month his last season in utah yeah wow so that's because brett and that's kind of I mean, not super surprising given the personnel that this team has, but Brad Stevens has generally made a point of keeping guys' minutes down um, throughout his tenure in Boston is with a lot of success, whether it was managing Al Horford or you know Kyrie before injuries, um, and even back towards when there was you know less talent on the roster. But with this group, there's a clear-cut five guys, but those guys but brad stevens knows how valuable that second seed is and saw the the raptors pulling off 15 straight wins so there really weren't many situations where you can say okay gordon you can we only need you for 25 or 30 minutes tonight because this bench clearly wasn't good enough to handle the the extra onus when it's shorthanded so is that going to come back to bite here we'll see but it uh i would hope that an extended rest here does Hayward some good uh, for the long run. So not to go back to the Nets game and rehash that, but that's what frustrated me so much about it. It seemed like he pulled the starters early, put in the bench to try to, you know, soak up some minutes, and then they just completely fell apart. And I didn't see, and, and I know after the game Brad said it was an effort issue, but it was hard to see on during the game, in-game, him make worse decisions about playing random people and I know some of that had to do with injuries in-game injuries that kind of thing but he seemed like he played one guy in the first half and then he didn't play semi all game and it it's just I thought that was one of the worst coaching uh, nights one of the worst coaching performances Brad has had all season and it's just it's it's frustrating because he's sort of changing his playbook. You know, the the playbook is keep every minutes down, everyone's minutes down, and but also win the game. And I feel like he just sort of botched that one. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's like one of those things. Like, it, it, and I agree with you. Would not not Brad's best night, but like, still took you know Marcus Smart making a ridiculously stupid foul. It I took <laughs> Karis Levert. I you know I couldn't. Beca- can we just talk Kevin about Durant. that? Can we talk about that foul for a second? Yeah, for sure. Like. I didn't get a good look at it until like far after the game because um, you can't see anything well from press row at um, the Garden. That might be one of like just the dumbest decisions in the NBA this season, period. Yeah. Like there's... Yeah, it just got really cocky. Like, well, what you know, is I he like? Th- what's the purpose there? 
you know that they're going to, if you make any kind of contact with 1.3 seconds left, they're obviously going to say he's shooting it. Like, what is going through his head? With Marcus, you just can't worry about purpose sometimes. I think he's just going to be, <laughs> I think he's just going to be Marcus. And, uh, <laughs> you know, if he does that, we, we, and we, we've talked on this podcast before about the potential of, if, even if everyone's healthy, maybe sometimes in crunch time that you'd want him in there over Kemba. Sure. If, if it comes down to it. But, you know, plays like that, it's the it's easy way to find yourself back on the bench in crunch time. Just I mean, can't do it. Talk about projection, too, where he's yelling at the ref saying he blew the game, like the ref blew the game. It's like, no, dude, you blew the game. Like, I don't care if you got all ball and you, like, never touched a single part of Karis LeVert. The dude was taking a turnaround three-pointer, like, Let him hit three it. guys around. Let him hit it. Yeah. Like, and then tip your cat and then go tap cap and then go win in overtime. And it's like, oh, my God, I couldn't believe he got in there. And they got angry about it. Are those the plays that... Are those the plays that get you Defensive Player of the Year? <laughs> right, maybe. Is that on? Is that on his mind a little the, bit? Those certainly aren't winning plays. I'll tell you that. I have to rename this podcast after that. <laughs> Stupid plays. Stupid podcast. plays. <laughs> Losing plays. Um, yeah, okay, I got a question for you guys. We talk about everyone being healthy, or maybe not. Talk about uh, potentially Marcus being in there over Kemba. But like, so tell me this: you have one guy. It comes down to it: either Jalen Brown or Kemba Walker are going to have an injury that sort of uh, derails their playoffs or Kemba, maybe it's the knee or whatever Jalen's dealing with now. But you can you can only have one guy healthy for the Celtics playoff run. Who are you picking? B-Rob, you go first. It's close, but it's, it's still Kemba for me because Ooh. I think you just need the shot creation. Um, still? Still. With Jason Tatum, superstar? Yeah, because those, those doubles are coming for him. And... Kemba, if he gets some space, he knows what to do. Um, if he gets, if he's not the center of attention, which he really has not been his entire career, um, so I'll take that in a playoff setting. Even though, even with the defensive liabilities and everything that Jalen brings to the table, it's a close call. But I'm going, I'm going Kemba. Bjx. Yeah, it's funny. I thought we were going to be three for three on this one. I'm going Jalen Brown the whole way. It, I love Kimball Walker. I think he's done amazing things this season when healthy. I think he's taken over fourth quarter. He's gotten a bucket when you need it. Um, but you need that defensive versatility. The Celtics love switching, pick and rolls. Um, you need that switchability, like I said. You need that versatility in terms of guarding different positions. I can't believe Jalen Brown last year guarding two guards, guarding ones, trying to put size on them. And now he's guarding power forwards and doing really well <laughs> at that. It's just, it's insane. And it speaks to sort of where the NBA is now. Uh, and the end, it goes back to what Rich said. I mean, Jason Tatum is absolutely amazing. Those shots, those, those shots that are, you know, used to be Kemba's, those game winners, those cl- clutch pull-ups, that kind of thing, one-on-one moves, those are going to Tatum for the rest of the season and beyond. He's just the rest of the next 15 seasons maybe. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's just shown over the you know, since the All-Star break that he can make them. He's just it's it's incredible to watch. So, I'm going Brown for the defensive versatility and for the offensive versatility. I mean, Kemba is, you know, his his offense is obviously making tough layups, being quick, but you know, this season it's been <laughs> Punishing people who go under screens. I still don't understand people going under screens uh, and not getting help on hedging and on Kemba Walker. He just pulls up. He's so good at just stopping short and pulling up for three. So uh, he'll continue to burn people like that, but I'm still going Jalen Brown. I'm going to uh, break the tie and go with our least favorite player on this podcast, Mr. Jalen Brown. Wow. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, 
I, I just think I, I, I thought we were going to be three for three too. Um, I think he just he just does more. And we've spent a fair amount of time on, on this episode talking shit about Marcus Smart. But you do have Marcus Smart who can he can run a team. And not, you know it's like one of those things. Like, like we we came to learn that Kemba's. I don't want to make this a you know shitting on Kemba fest, but um, he is more. He's a maybe better suited as a shooting guard in a way. I mean, remember that he plays really well off the ball. I think Marcus Smart is a better playmaker than Kemba. I think Marcus can do a lot of those things that 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 Kemba does. Um, and obviously, like okay, there's a trickle down effect that it's going to mess with the bench. Obviously, it's not ideal for the Celtics to be without either of these guys. I think you know any any even conference championship hopes probably go out the window if either of these guys, uh, Kemba or Jalen, are, are down. But I just think you don't you don't necessarily. And maybe maybe if Gordon is ready to to step up and be more Jalen like than, than than we've seen from him. But I just think you lose more in the total team uh, dynamic without Jalen, especially with the playoffs and, and who, and if the Celtics are going to be trying to play small, which everyone is more or less, uh, you need that guy like Jalen to, uh, to get there. Yeah. It's a, uh, I go with Kemba, uh, despite the fact, cause I think if Jalen's out, then smart is replacing him in, you know, the closing five situation, assuming that Tice is on the floor. And for as good as Jalen's versatility is like smarts is, obviously is smart on that front. So I consider it less of a drop-off from that standpoint. Um, if any drop-off at all, maybe I'd, you know, in certain situations, um, depending, as long as it's not a huge guy, smart is obviously a better defender than Jalen Brown. Whereas the, the Kemba to smart drop-off on the offensive end is pretty jarring. And I know Tatum has taken the leap right now, but it's easy, you know, when I, you see Kemba Walker going for 40, against the Bucks on the road in the near miracle comeback back in January. Like he is a pure mismatch for them. Like he will punish their defensive scheme, you know, make Brooke Lopez have to come out or come out of the game. They're going to have to, he's someone good enough to make the formula they have to win 70 games, like have to be switched. And I think that is what it's going to take for the Celtics to, to win any series. So I think that's why he's still, you know, a more important piece of this team than Jalen. All right. So looking at the schedule real quick right now, uh, we're doing this on, on Thursday, March 5th, uh, tomorrow night, Utah is in town, Oklahoma city at Indiana at Milwaukee. That's a tough four game stretch, right? Not, not a good four game stretch without Jalen. <laughs> yeah. And, and potentially Gordon and potentially Kemba, I guess you, Kemba, you don't know. Kemba's back. He's not on the injury report, so I assume he's going to be back on Friday. Okay, but I mean, right? It's one like he's not on the report, but clearly the knee is still a concern, right? I'd imagine. So what, let, let's maybe we can go out on this. What do we think uh, these next four games? I mean, they, like Owen four is not out of the uh, realm oh, of possibility. Definitely not. Definitely not. No. Uh, I think got to get one of the you, sorry. Got to get one. Got to get one of the two at home against Utah and OKC. That's for sure. No question. And Utah is playing a little bit better, but they haven't played anyone good of late so that's that's still a pretty winnable game um without those two guys and okc is a bear but you know i think you just you have to take care of business at home right now um since you can kind of chalk up the milwaukee as a loss but i don't know would you i guess you consider a two and two stretch here would be a win jacks is that enough or do you need to even do better to you know make sure that you keep pace of toronto 
So I think this could be recency bias. I think it's also two independent things. I think keeping pace with Toronto seems like almost a fool's errand. <laughs> like, as they went, you know, we had that stretch. The Celtics had that stretch that went, you know, they were playing their best basketball, winning every game, and we were still behind <laughs> Toronto for a game because they r- rattled off 15 in a row. It was insane. So I, I focus less on that just because I think it's sort of like you try to win every game and, and whatever happens, happens. Um, but to go back to your original question, two and two would be great. I think, I think the Celtics are more banged up than they've been, uh, in the past year, you know, cause we've seen stretches where a guy will go out and someone else will step up. But right now they're sort of banged up. Uh, all the wrong people or right people, depending on how you want to look at it are banged up at the wrong time. Uh, and so I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking OKC is going to be really hard. I'm thinking Donovan Mitchell can go supernova, so Utah is going to be super hard, and uh, obviously Milwaukee. So I, I see Indiana being potentially the only win there, one and three. Oof. I know. I know. I, but I they're going to be favored in those home games, I still think. Oh, yeah, for but sure. SGA is just amazing. Like, I watch that kid, and I'm like, wow, he can do anything. And if Canner's not doing well against uh, Steven Adams, I just I worry about, about that team. I, I love that OKC team. I'm checking out the uh, – seeing if there's an advanced spread on that, on that the, Utah, the Utah game. That would be, yeah, that'd be the be one up. that I'd maybe wonder about. Yeah, that could be close. I wouldn't be surprised if I'd pick, I'd pick him, but, I mean, let's remember that – this version of Tatum is, I mean, this is like a top 10 Tatum player now, which I think people are starting to, uh, to work in, but yeah, it no. is, but without, but without Jalen, without Gordon, that's where, I mean, that's like yeah, another I mean, level that's, of having uh, to be. Uh, that's a good point. I mean, that's your, your third and fourth best players. Um, when you rely on those guys more than arguably any and other team. The last league. time, last time the Celtics played Utah, Rudy Gobert had a weird game. I don't know if he was injured or out of it, but I, I think, I think like you can't discount that he'll, he won't be better, you know? So I, I do worry about Friday and then, okay. See, I mean, Chris Paul's playing with them playing well. It's just, there's a, there's a lot going on and maybe in this Nets game is just totally messing with me, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I don't know. I'm worried. Right. It wasn't that, le- that long that you're almost sweeping a West coast trip. Right. <laughs> True. <You know? laughs> um, and I will say this after, after that tough four, Utah, OKC, Indiana, Milwaukee, there's a nine game stretch. Uh, in that nine, there's an at Toronto game, which is a Friday night game, which is obviously tough. But outside of that Toronto game, it's wizards, bulls, Knicks, Nets, wizards, Grizzlies and that at, and then at home against the Blazers and, and Wolves. So uh, that is the, the opposite of, of the next four. As long as they don't play the magic, I'm confident. I feel like the they magic play the magic two just, games after that. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> They're losing that game. Celtics two, are losing against the magic billet. <laughs> two more games against the magic left this season somehow. <laughs> yeah, they they had nightmares against them last year, but they did take care of business in one game so far uh, down there, which is was – Javante Green's shining moment, shutting down Terrence Ross in that one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it is going to. This is uh, a crucial week. There's no question about it. Uh, with the the end of the the grind that has been the last month and a half of the schedule for this team, and um, it is. I mean that circle the the March 20th game against Toronto. We always knew how important it's going to be, but now it looks like toronto is going to have a tiebreaker if they win that one because based off of the division record they're so far ahead of the celtics which is what it turns into if they you know tie the series at two to two so that's that's, toronto. that's a toughie 
Yeah, so that's going to be, you know, the good news is everyone on paper should be healthy for that one, but um, it might be tough to recover uh, in the two race if you if you drop that one because that's going to be a two-game swing. And even if, you know, somehow somehow you, you, you win that game in Toronto uh, and then somehow still end up losing the seeding, right? So Toronto still gets two. Yep. Uh, that win in Toronto will be big because you're going you're gonna to have to do it if, if that's the case. So it'd be nice to prove it. That's right. They did it once on against the full team. Right. Yeah. yeah not against the <laughs> the Christmas win out there has a little asterisk on it um, based on personnel. But that would do it for this edition of the Winning Plays podcast. I want to thank Brennan Jackson of the Celtic Sub podcast for hopping on. Make sure you go subscribe to that on iTunes and or wherever else you listen to your podcast. Thanks for coming on, Jax. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Um, anytime I can replace Mike Pina, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> your Pina is your Cedric Maxwell. He is. I, I can't live up to him, but I do my best. <laughs> um, all right. Well, we'll see if Mike wants to if Mike's Wally pipped or not uh, next week. Um, <laughs> but in the meantime, uh, enjoy this weekend's games, and we'll be back with you guys next week with. Uh, Potentially a full pod, and we'll see what the, if it's a full Celtics team at that point. <laughs>